Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Red Flags, a post-true crime boom, true crime podcast from Investigation Discovery, where we talk about the warning signs, big and small. We're your one-stop shop for all things true crime, the latest cases in the news and the shows and podcasts and books about them. I'm Tori Telfer, a true crime writer by trade. I have a couple of books, Lady Killers, which is about female serial killers, and Confident Women, which is about con women. I'm obviously interested in female criminals. I've also done a couple of podcasts also on female criminals. Uh, There's Criminal Broads, which is my own podcast, and Why Women Kill, which was a podcast about female murderers and their motivations. So that's kind of my jam, but I'm also interested in other elements of true crime, as you will soon see. And I'm Karina Michelle. I was a total armchair detective a few months ago, and then I decided to start making true crime TikToks where I would cover different cases like missing person cases or cold cases. I do have a sociology degree to back it up, and I'm really interested in how social problems can lead to crimes. And Karina, how many followers do you have on TikTok? Five, ten. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I hate being like one of those people that's like, um, like two hundred thousand. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, Karina, like we both come at this from an insider and an outsider perspective, which I hope will be valuable here. I've been writing about true crime for quite some time, but I actually never consumed any true crime before I started working in the field. Like even growing mm-hmm. up, I was not one of those kids that was like obsessed with serial killers and always watched horror movies. So I still have this inner child who's like, oh, I'm scared. Why? Why? Why is this my job? Um, And then I don't know if you feel that insider outsider dichotomy in yourself. Kind of. So 
I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. And because Puerto Rico is so small, we've had a lot of cases that have had huge impacts where everyone follows it in the island and everyone knows every single detail. So to me, it was very normalized in a Mm. really weird way. But then as I started researching and looking into true crime more, it started to become very disturbing. Yeah. It's weird how you can consume it so much that it starts just seeming like fiction. But I'm glad that you're having the opposite experience because I think it's really (laughs) dangerous when you start. I mean, I've made that mistake myself where sometimes in my mind I'm like, oh, my gosh, these are not characters. It doesn't matter that you have a Word document open and you're typing about them. You know, it's not like I'm yelling at myself. Tori, this is not a novel. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I'm definitely someone that I don't Google freely. Mm -hmm. I definitely Google very carefully Mm -hmm. because I get freaked out as to what pictures are going to pop up. Yes, because Google is a completely horribly regulated, barren, Wild West desert of terror when it comes to true crime. Mm -hmm. As we've all found, I think, in late night Googles that were bad ideas when we see things we wish we didn't. Yeah. And as we're going to talk about today. Let's talk a little bit about true crime in general. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you love about it? I used to love just being able to learn more about a case. Because I think through learning about true crime, you learn so much about our justice system and the way that it works. And Mm -hmm. you learn about so many different things that you wouldn't have before. But obviously, there is unfortunately a sense of not entertainment, but uh, I just can't look away and I need to binge watch as many cases as I possibly can and research and know as much as I can. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's how I feel about true crime. Yes, it's complicated. Very. Yeah, it's a very complicated relationship. (laughs) Right. I do love the stories sometimes. I'm not going to pretend that they're not good stories. And as someone who made the daring decision in college to major in fiction writing, that was one of the things that drew me to the stories of female serial killers in the first place. It was like, wow, these characters are so much more, what should we say, intense than anything I could come up with on my own. Mm -hmm. So that's, I guess, what started my interest in true crime. But what I really love about the genre when it's done right is you can look at how crimes affect the culture and like snake their way into the culture after the fact. All the famous cases, Jack the Ripper, O.J. Simpson, whatever, they've become these weird cultural touchstones with little industries around them. You can buy stuff on Etsy. You know, they make their way into our movies and our... Anyway, clearly this is something I <laughs> that gets me going. But um, I think that is so fascinating about true crime because it's like in our bloodstreams in a really deep way. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, a lot of true crime fans now are realizing that for decades we did not focus on the victims enough and we just yeah. glorified the killers and that's obviously a big problem. I think that zooming in too much on the bloody details can just traumatize and trigger people. And and it's sort of gratuitous if we don't Mm -hmm. look at the larger context, like you were saying, the sociology and, you know, the culture afterwards. When it's done right, it can be about so much more than the crime itself. I think that when I started making true crime content on TikTok, that's something that I 
always had in mind. I really wanted every case that I talked about to have a purpose and to give people something that they could do. I mm-hmm. never wanted it to become a source of kind of entertainment or anything like that. It was more of, okay, this is going on. You can sign this petition. You can share this missing person poster. You can follow the family's Facebook page. You can do this. Because for me, that's what, as someone who, again, was receiving all this true crime content, that's what I felt like I was missing. Yeah, it just occurred to me that it's kind of like tithing in the church. And maybe this is a horrible metaphor, but it's like, if you're going to consume this stuff, you have a moral obligation to remember that these are real people. And if there's Mm -hmm. a small action you can take, even if it's just signing a change.org petition, take it. Talking about true crime is a lot more rocky waters than people realize just by listening to it or, Mm -hmm. or by watching it. Like there's so much that goes behind the scenes, like taking into account how your narrative may affect the family, taking into account that if you don't ask permission for a family, if you can talk about it, that they might come across it and disagree. There's so many levels to it that I didn't realize as a true crime consumer. So, listeners, what Karina and I want to do here is navigate a lot of the issues that, as you can tell, are on our minds. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping to come at the true crime space, so to speak, from a number of different angles. We're going to start the show by keeping you updated on current cases, things in the news, things in the broader true crime space. So podcasts, shows, books, you know, media we're consuming. We're also hoping to highlight underreported cases and bigger, broader true crime themes and phenomena. Things like serial killers as celebrities or the future of prisons. We will bring on cool guests. And as we would be hypocrites if we didn't do this, we're going to try to end the show with calls to action and ways you can stay engaged and things you should keep an eye out for. Speaking of current cases and things you and I are currently consuming, Karina, is there something that you wanted to bring up this week? Yeah. I have been binge watching some TikTok videos by a user named Kara Robinson Chamberlain. Mm. So on TikTok, there was this trend going around where it was called put a finger down. And basically people would say put a finger down if and then they would go on to say like a really embarrassing story or a really dramatic story. And this one was very different. Mm. So she starts the video and this is me paraphrasing. But she goes, put a finger down if you were at your friend's house and you go to the front of the house to water her plants and a man walks up to you, didn't look scary, nothing was kind of off about him. And he asks if you wanted to buy magazines and then he puts a gun to your neck and kidnaps you. What? Yeah. And then you get sexually assaulted by him. And you end up escaping from his house. The police is looking for him for three days and he ends up committing suicide when police reach him. And you later find out that he's a serial killer and that he's been tied to three other young women's murders. What? Like, has it been confirmed? Yeah. So on June 24th, 2002 in Columbia, South Carolina, when Kara Robinson was 15 years old, she was visiting a friend. They had plans to go to a lake later on. And her friend's mom asked her if she could water the plants out front. And Kara offered just so her friend could go ahead and take a shower. 
And while she's outside, this man pulls up to the driveway. And again, she says that he doesn't look strange or scary. Uh, and he just offers her some brochures. Um, okay, brochures. Mm-hmm. And when he does that, he pulls out a gun and puts it to her neck oh, and forces her to get into his car. He actually forces her to get into a container in his car so that she couldn't tell where she was going. Was this an unmarked white van? It does sound like it, right? Yeah, it sounds like utter nightmare. And so she can feel in the box that she has gotten to a different place. And obviously he is dragging her into the house. Mm. And at this point, her main goal is to escape. So she tries engaging him in conversation and asking him questions to try to figure out who this person is. So that way, when she escapes, she can tell police who he Mm -hmm. was. And she was held captive for over 18 hours. While he's sleeping, she figures out a way to leave. She leaves through his front door and runs into a motorist and he takes her to the hospital. And when she talks to police, she's able to offer them so much information that they're able to identify him. And then you came across her because she is now sharing her story on TikTok? Yeah. So on TikTok, she is advocating for mental health. Mm -hmm. So she offers tips on how to deal with traumas and different mental illnesses such Mm. as PTSD and anxiety. So if anyone wants to follow her, you can at Kara Robinson Chamberlain on both Instagram and TikTok. Wow. I always notice how many cases end with the victim or the victim's family turning to activism, which is Mm -hmm. poignant. And it makes me sad. But I mean, it's great. And I'm sure it's very healing. It makes me sad because it's sort of like, oh, why do they have to do it? (laughs) You know, as if they haven't been through enough. Yeah. And something that she talked about during Crime Watch was that she actually now speaks to officers and nurses to help them deal better with victims of sexual assault. Mm, That sounds very necessary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So I've also been following a case that has to do with social media and activism and crime. I've been emailing with Andy Parker, who became an activist after his daughter, Allison Parker, who was this young journalist, was shot while broadcasting, along with her fellow journalist, Adam Ward, by an angry ex-employee of the TV station where they worked. The gunman's name was Vester Lee Flanagan. And as if it's already not horrible enough that there was a double murder, Vester filmed the murder. He then uploaded it to Facebook and then later killed himself. And so as if that's not bad enough, the videos because there are many horrible edits of them and have been on YouTube for the past five years. And Andy Parker, Allison's father, cannot get them taken down no matter what he does. YouTube and their parent company, Google, have given him the typical runaround like, oh, we're working on it. You know, we're assigning more people to flag potentially offensive videos, blah, 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 vague, vague, vague. What they tell him is that if he would like to watch the video himself of his daughter's murder and flag it as offensive, they'll see what they can do. He refuses to watch it, unsurprisingly. He recently filed a Federal Trade Commission complaint, and it's about, quote, investigation of deceptive practices in connection with Google's YouTube video hosting platform. And the complaint, which is currently, as far as Andy knows, just kind of sitting in an office somewhere or waiting for someone to do something with it, it is so shocking to read. Like, it is full of these details about what YouTube doesn't do and how horrible things get on there. One example is someone has edited the video of Allison's death and put James Bond theme music to it and uh, animated blood splatters. And, of course, it's the Internet, so there are disgusting comments. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there are harassing comments. There are people who insist that the whole thing is a cover-up and that Andy, the dad, is an actor. Anyway, it's just like the mire of the Internet paired with an Mm -hmm. actual double murder. I think that the cases that for me are so difficult to hear about are the cases where families have to put aside grievances or mm-hmm. whatever it is to take action for their loved ones. Yeah, I think it's so gross their response of saying, well, if you want to watch it, how can you tell the father of a murdered victim? Well, if you want to watch the video of her final moments and what happened and flag it, then maybe we'll take it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's not even if you watch it once. It's up there. It keeps getting reposted. There are multiple versions of it, you know, Mm -hmm. so he would have to be continually reliving it. Both these cases that Karina and I have been thinking about this week have to do with social media and true crime. But Karina's done a deep dive into a case that gets even more into these issues. And in fact, this is a case that has changed something about Instagram that you probably deal with every day and you don't even realize it. (laughs) 
Do you ever wonder why on Instagram, when you receive a DM from a stranger, it always goes to a request file instead of immediately going to your DM folder? Well, today we are going to deep dive into why that is with the case of Bianca Devins. Karina, I actually remember the first time I got one of those messages Mm -hmm. and I was scared because I'd never gotten one before and it was in this weird other folder and it was from someone I didn't know and Instagram was asking me all these questions like, are you sure you want to accept it? No, it's definitely very intimidating. They definitely build it up to be scary, Mm -hmm. but I think that once we get into the details of this case, it totally makes sense as to why. And the DMs that were sent are DMs that I absolutely would not like to receive. In 2019, 17-year-old Bianca Devins from Utica, New York, was struggling to fit in and make friends. She felt like an outsider because she was into manga and anime and very into art. According to a Syracuse article that was written by Elizabeth Doran, where she interviews Bianca's mom, she felt judged by others. She was definitely in her awkward stage and she felt unaccepted. She was also diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, also known as BPD, anxiety and depression. And due to this, Bianca had poor self-image, impulsive behavior and sensory issues. From October 2018 to February 2019, Bianca was admitted into an inpatient mental health clinic. And this experience was really life-changing for her and for her mental health. She decided that she wanted to graduate high school and attend Mohawk Valley Community College. And she wanted to become a psychologist and help people who also had mental illnesses. So these same feelings of kind of being unaccepted and not really making any friends led her to go into the online world and she would frequent websites like 4chan and Discord. Are you familiar with them, Tori? I know that they are kind of potentially shady and uh, I don't go on them. Yeah. So 4chan is a forum website that can be very dark at times, Mm -hmm. like you said. And according to an article on Wired by Emma Gray Ellis, although there are different boards and topics to discuss, it is also filled with racism, sexism, and homophobia. Mm -hmm. And Discord is a chat-based website where you just kind of create different group chats and people can talk, but it's mainly used by the gamer community. And I think like a lot of us, Bianca would also spend a lot of time on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And she loved taking pictures Um, She wanted to become a psychologist, but she also wanted to become a model. So this for her was a good opportunity to take pictures and put them out there. And at the same time, there was 21-year-old Brandon Clark from Cicero, New York. And much like Bianca, he would frequent websites like Instagram and Discord. And according to a Rolling Stone article by E.J. Dixon, Brandon's childhood had been marked by instability following his father's incarceration after he held Brandon's mother at knife point for hours when Brandon was 10 years old. But there has been no record of him being present when this was all happening. Okay, but his father was in prison during his childhood. Yeah. So Bianca and Brandon met online and... Bianca's mother, Kim, like I think a lot of parental figures, wanted to make sure that her daughter was safe 
and mm. decided to meet him in person. And they met in May of 2019, and Kim actually found him very polite and well-spoken. Aww. So after this, they ignited a friendship. But according to Bianca's family, for Bianca, it wasn't much more than a friendship. But Brandon, it seems, was developing stronger feelings for Bianca. Okay. During July, Bianca asked her mom if she could attend her first concert by herself, which was the Nicole Dollinganger concert. Mm -hmm. And I listened to a couple of her songs. And although they seem very relaxing, the lyrics are definitely dark. Yeah, I listened to some of her music, too. I would have been so into it as a teen. You know, it's very mm-hmm. like I'm in a soiled white wedding dress wandering around an abandoned motel. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like my dream as a teenager, like taking photos, feeling dramatic. Yeah, it's it definitely is sitting in the back of the car when it's raining and you just <laughs> staring out the window dramatically. Like, why is life so <laughs> yes. difficult? Yes. Ugh, it's a, probably a very important developmental stage Yeah, for all of us to have those feelings. Yeah. And obviously her mom was kind of against it at first because she was like, oh, I don't know, you going to a concert by yourself. She wasn't sure how to feel, but she decided to let her go because she was going with Brandon and she thought that Bianca would be safe with him. Oh, my God. During the concert, Bianca actually met up with another guy and it's been reported that she wrote to a couple of friends pointing out how upset Brandon looked by this and... On the car ride back to Utica, Brandon confronted her about it and she reminded him that they were just friends and that her relationship with Brandon wasn't going to be anything more than that. Brandon's attitude is so scary to me because we see it in so many of these stories where it's Mm -hmm. like a possessiveness that's not justified. He feels like she owes him something and he's starting to get really mad that she hasn't given him that thing. Yeah. You know, her love, whatever. Ugh, I just have the creeps just hearing about it. Yeah. And I think her being 17, I think it's such a vulnerable age where I think you also want to feel so accepted and everything. So I think for her to kind of have been so honest with her emotions was very like mature of her. That's a really good point. It's hard to tell people the truth when it comes to relationships, you know, to say, like, I'm Mm -hmm. not into you, even though you're into me. That's definitely something that it's easy to just skirt around. So you're right. The fact that she said that is is mature and cool. After this, Bianca fell asleep in the car. Mm -hmm. So while Bianca was asleep, Brandon decided that he was going to update his Instagram bio. And he updated it to his birth date and added a death date, which was that day, July 14th. Wow, that's so creepy. And it's tough to imagine. I mean, it's such an obvious red flag. And you kind of want to think, like, what if someone had happened to be on his Instagram profile and had seen it? Could they have done something? But then again, how many followers did this guy have? You know, and who takes an Instagram profile seriously? It sort of seems futile. He set his camera on the dashboard and he woke Bianca up. He confronted Bianca again over spending the concert with this other guy. Mm -hmm. And after once again, Bianca denied having romantic interest in Brandon. He slashed her throat with a knife that he had gotten from the trunk of his car before they started the car ride home. Brandon took a picture of Bianca's body and posted it onto Discord. Tori... Do you Mm -hmm. need me to 
describe or no? I really do not want you to describe okay, the photo. How thank do you, you feel? for that. Thank you. It, it's really hard because while researching this case, that was the one picture where I genuinely did not want to see because mm-hmm. it's obviously very gruesome, very graphic. And the fact that Bianca loved taking pictures so much and she wanted to be a model, I think it's so hard to have the last picture or the picture where people remember her by to be that one instead of pictures that she took herself and she posted herself. Yeah, that's atrocious. Mm -hmm. Can I ask, did you see the photo? I know you didn't want to. Okay, so you managed to avoid it. Yeah. Good. So here's the thing. I had two incidents where I was watching two videos and both of them claimed that they were not going to post the picture, but they went ahead and posted it blurred. Hmm. And to me, that's basically showing the picture because you can tell what it is. Yes. And our brains are really good at filling in outlines. Yeah. That's why there are a lot of like ghost stories where there's similar shapes in the room because our brains like fill in a creepy tall man. Yeah. And so if you're going to show me a blurred image and I can tell, you know, where the body is laying or whatever, my brain is going to fill in the rest. Mm -hmm. So even if it's not completely accurate, that trauma is sort of still going to happen to the viewer. I think we're kind of similar in this way. I never want to see crime scene photos. I don't want to see things. I don't want to see video. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see photos. And this fact always surprises people because they think I'm like the most morbid person in the world because I've written a book about serial killers. You know, they think I'm like basically serial killer adjacent. Like I just love the gore. Oh my gosh, I like can't watch horror movies. Like I'm a wimp, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm a squeamish true crime writer. And I think that's kind of a strength because it means that I guess I'm always thinking about it. Yeah. (laughs) But what about you? Are you like as a armchair detective, are you someone who's going to hunt down all the details or do you stop yourself at some point? Or I, I definitely do draw the line on looking at pictures or videos or anything like that. I also started talking about true crime on TikTok and whenever I would talk about a case that was especially gruesome, I also didn't go into detail because I think at what point does it start dramatizing or glamorizing the crime itself? I like keeping an aspect of humanity as much as I can. And as Brandon's posting all this online, are actual people seeing it in real time? Yeah. And obviously, people cannot tell if this is real or not. As Mm -hmm. we mentioned previously, with social media, it's so hard to tell what's real and what's Mm -hmm. not. And some users called the police immediately trying to figure out what was going on. And other users, unfortunately, started to praise Brandon for what he had done. Mm. In their eyes, they felt like Bianca deserved it, which is also a horrific part of this case where it's people who also agree with what he's done. Yeah, we see that kind of mentality a lot on the internet, you know, in these dark misogynistic corners. There are these reactions to crimes against women that are like, dude, you did the right thing. She got what she deserved. But then you also have to wonder about the people who are watching this play out online and aren't doing anything. Maybe they're not explicitly misogynistic. Maybe they're not cheering him on, but they're presumably not doing anything or it seems like there might be something about the fact that it's happening on a screen that allows them to pretend it's not real it's like the bystander effect amplified by the internet maybe 
Yeah, I struggled with the same thoughts too when I was reading about the case because it's difficult to think every day social media consumers sharing a picture this gruesome. But there were some users who did call the police and they felt the need to do something about it. So Brandon left Bianca's body in his car and he built a bonfire. He would then place her body in a tarp and play the song Test Drive by Joji. The song Test Drive, it actually talks about a man explaining how a woman wasted his time and how he gave her everything and got nothing in return. Please. Yeah. What a total narcissist. Yeah. He also spray painted the words, may you never forget me, which is a quote from the Japanese manga, Goodnight Pun Pun. Brandon would Mm. also post a picture onto Snapchat of his bloodied hand and a tarp with the outline of Bianca's body. And it had the caption, I'm sorry, Bianca. The most horrific part about it is that users started to send those pictures to her family. Oh, no. Yeah. Thinking they were helping or were they trolling? So this is one of the things that I can't figure out is why would anyone share the picture? To me, it just seems cruel. Brandon called the police on himself. And when the first responder arrived, he started stabbing himself in the neck and then posed with Bianca's body and took pictures of himself. He was taken to a hospital and he did survive. The case is ongoing right now. He pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, and he's looking at 25 to life. In October of this year, he actually tried to revert his plea, but the judge disagreed. So to me, this feels like such a modern phenomenon with social media of people sharing these extremely gruesome images. Do you feel that way, Tori? Is this how it's been in the true crime world? So one thing I wanted to bring up in connection to this case is that it feels like a very of-the-moment case because it recently happened. It involves Instagram and posting and sharing. You know, it's like all these things that we sort of think are of our time only. But Mm -hmm. if you zoom out, the people on Discord who are interacting with Bianca's photo and are not sure if it's real or not, that has happened before. True crime consumers, I think, have always towed the line when it comes to seeing stuff like this, whereas Mm -hmm. like some people really want to avoid it. Some people really seek it out. A lot of people seem to fall in the middle where it's like they're they're kind of almost titillated by the idea that it exists. An example I wanted to tell you about is 10 times crazier than people on Discord commenting on this photo, I think. So um, around the turn of the century in Indiana, this woman, Belle Gunness, suddenly everyone started thinking, hmm, an awful lot of men have gone missing at her pig farm. She's probably one of the more famous female serial killers that we have. Um, and we can talk about the details of her case some other day. But after she vanished and people started digging up bodies on her farm, the public descended on this farm like it was a holiday. And they were taking pictures. They were having picnics. They were riding their cute little vintage bikes. And as her victims' bodies were being dug up, they were displayed in this makeshift morgue on her farm. You can see photos of people lining up in their Sunday best to go into the morgue and see these bodies. Like it was a fun thing. And to me, there's some weird parallel going on between lining up to see the bodies in the morgue in 1908 in 
LaPorte, Indiana, and searching for the Bianca Devins photo on Instagram or trying to find the hashtag that people use to post the photo. Like there's this voyeuristic part of humanity that really wants to see. And for the Bell Guinness case, some of these photos were even turned into postcards and, you know, I assume sent to horrified relatives. I found some of the photos online and you wouldn't think it would be that scary given what we've seen today, but I'm just going to tell you that in one of the photos, there is a desiccated skull that appears to be screaming. And oh, it's, no. it's, it's like it was turned into a postcard. In the sense of people lining up, I agree with you where that's kind of how social media worked in this case. Yeah, that's so horribly fascinating. Like it became used as a form of currency then. Yeah. Which is like buying a postcard. So, Karina, as we're talking about this, I am getting this strange nagging feeling about what we're doing here. Like what's the difference between you and I retelling Bianca's story here and people online seeing the photo of her body? I think it's a really good question, and I think it just comes down to intention. Our intention is more to tell her story and help the family in any way that we can. So when Bianca's picture was released, a lot of people were using it as kind of online currency. They were asking people to follow them on Instagram, and when they reached a certain amount of followers, they were going to post the picture. Mm. And you also had some users who went as far as to send the picture to her family. In a way, they were kind of alluding that Bianca deserved what happened to her in some horrific way. Well, that just reminds me a lot of Allison Parker's case and what her dad is experiencing. Like, I don't understand this impetus among people to attack the victim's family after something obviously horrible happens. But maybe that's for a psychologist to figure out. But it reminds me a little bit of trauma porn with that question because... Sometimes when people share trauma porn, which is these horrific images or videos of awful things happening to people, they do it with the intention of spreading awareness and they sort of think that they're helping. Even though we've come to learn that this is actually very traumatic for the marginalized community or person that these videos are of. But with Bianca's case, it's really hard to say that. Because to me, there is no other reason other than just being cruel. You mean sharing photos of her dead body. You're saying it can't possibly serve any other purpose, even if people think they're, quote unquote, spreading awareness. Yeah, I agree. And I think we have to be very self-aware when we're consuming this stuff and really question our own motivations because like it's easy to click share and think like I'm showing how aware I am or I'm showing how empathetic I am. I think mm -hmm. that's a mistake a lot of true crime consumers make, thinking empathy justifies things. But yeah, like with the Bianca picture, if you really sit down and think about the fact that this picture exists, it obviously should never be shared ever. I can't think of a single reason for it to be online other than just trauma, like you said. Are people convincing themselves that in a way they're helping by being like, did you know your daughter was killed? Here's a photo. You do have these group of people sharing this content. And on one side, people who do share trauma porn, they might say that the reason that they're sharing it is to spread awareness about an event or something that happened to them. It's a way of educating others, where in Bianca's case, I find that there's just no justification for that at all. 
After Bianca's images went viral on social media, Instagram changed their Instagram policy and they added a feature that blocks direct messages from strangers. I think what I find maybe the saddest about these crimes where a photo or a video gets shared is like the last moment of a life is so private or it should Mm -hmm. be. Right. I mean, isn't the ideal death like in your sleep, surrounded by loved ones? You know, it should be this private thing. And of course, that doesn't always happen and people get murdered and it's horrible. But then it's like adding insult to injury to have that murder be shared and like put on these stupid websites and shared by people who want followers. You know, it's like sacrilegious to me. It's not for us to see. It's not for us to know about. Bianca loved taking pictures and she loved posting them on Instagram. So to me, there's sort of this sense of kind of consent. And and I think it's so important Mm -hmm. to why share this awful picture where there's pictures that she shared herself that were pictures that really may represent her as a person. Instagram has connected with Bianca's family so they can automatically report images that are sent to them by strangers. And together they are pushing for Bianca's law, which would allow social media websites to further regulate their content and to have more eyes on what is being posted. So they also started the Bianca Michelle Devins Memorial Scholarship Fund, and the fund is awarded to a student attending Utica College in their Child Life Development Program. If you're interested in donating to the fund or signing the petition, we really encourage you to do so, and we will be linking them both in our show notes. So I think it's great that her family is pushing for change. Andy Parker, Allison Parker's dad, has been fighting for change for a long time and has been Mm -hmm. getting the runaround from specifically Google and YouTube for a really long time. It's complicated because like there's the internet and there's free speech and people are very protective about that. And of course, there's a lot of good there. But the thing that a lot of these websites are hiding behind is something called Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. And I'm going to put it in my very basic laywoman's terms, but my understanding is it's when you post something on Facebook, Facebook is not like your publisher. So it's not like Facebook is responsible for your thoughts, Karina. Mm -hmm. You can go on Facebook and say whatever you want. There are a couple things you can't do that you will get in trouble for. There's a lot you can do, including post a video of a murder or a photo or something. That's what's allowing these companies to move really slowly or sometimes they don't even take these images down at all because they're protected by this part of the Communications Decency Act. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, if you're interested in following Andy Parker's fight, um, unfortunately, from what he's told me, it sounds like his FTC complaint is just sitting on someone's desk somewhere for now. But he has a book you could check out. It's called For Allison, The Murder of a Young Journalist and a Father's Fight for Gun Safety. I'm glad we have him out there fighting for this. I wish he didn't have to be. Mm -hmm. And same with Bianca's family. I'm encouraged that they're out there fighting the good fight. And I, I just really hope these companies will start to listen more than they have been. So we've talked a lot about images of crime scenes And I want to talk about an app that might allow you to visit them. And Tori, I have to know if you would download it. Okay. Okay, so I found this app. It's called Crime Door. 
When you open the app, the first thing that it does is that it asks for your location so it can tell you famous crime scenes that have occurred in your area. So you can go visit. It has another section where you can search for a case and it gives you a lot of information about it. Any reports. It gives you podcast episodes that have been made about it. It shares pictures. And then there's the last feature, which is called Doors, and it is a virtual reality crime scene. Mm. And it features a few notorious crime scenes, such as John Benet Ramsey, Carla Walker, John Lennon, Nicole Brown, and Ronald Goldman, and the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Okay, I'm going to say a hard no. I would not download this. I don't think this is right. I mean, I, th- I do think it's interesting to know which infamous cases have happened near me. I'm not going to pretend I don't want to know that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. The point where we're downloading apps so we can walk via virtual reality through these crime scenes, uh, that scares me. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're on one side of the spectrum and then on the other side, sliding down into the muck, you have people sharing the photo. This app seems to really be blurring the spectrum lines, you know, my metaphor yeah. is getting mixed, but <laughs> I don't like it. I don't I mean, come on, like it's bad no. enough that you can see terrible pictures of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman's bodies online mm-hmm. like who needs to walk through the crime scene can i just add it's a very graphic mm. virtual reality experience okay this is so gruesome but you do see the victims photos or like animation yeah it's a- an animation yeah that's offensive in a different way too because i know i, I can't be pleased but these are real this really happened it's not mm-hmm. virtual reality it was reality so I don't like any of it. Yeah. So I posted this on Instagram stories before Mm -hmm. I talked to you about it just to see Mm -hmm. what people thought. Everyone was really uncomfortable by the ad Mm. because it's kind of a group of friends laughing and just having a good time. Uh And someone wrote to me and said, it's really uncomfortable because I can tell that's Nicole Brown's crime scene. Like, I can tell that that's what it looks like. And the fact that these are real people is really uncomfortable. So the majority of the people had the same reaction as you. They think it's interesting to be able to look up cases, but they're very uncomfortable by the virtual reality aspect of it. So, Karina, I love that you got your followers involved because it's cool to hear from people about these issues. And we really want to hear from our listeners. So actually, listeners, we set up a voicemail for you. If you want to recommend cases for us to cover in future episodes, if you have questions, comments, give us a call and let us know at 888-9-R-E-D-F-L-A. That's 888-973-3252. For more true crime conversations, be sure to check out ID on Twitter at Discovery ID or on Instagram and TikTok at Investigation Discovery. And you can ask us questions on our own Instagram feeds, too. I'm at Tori underscore underscore Telfer. And I am at the Karina Michelle. Thanks for listening today. Red Flags is a production of Investigation Discovery and Audiation. For ID, our executive producers are Jessica Lowther and Amy Angelowitz. For Audiation, our executive producers are Sandy Smallins and Michael Wolfson. Mark Lotto is our story editor. Ireland Meacham is our producer. And Brad Stratton is our editor-mixer. Theme music by Marty Beller.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.